Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 107 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I am so pleased that you are here with me today. Today, I am talking to the phenomenally sweet and kind and smart Carly Gelsinger. We met at a conference, and um, I just nabbed her up. I needed her for the show. And she also wrote a cult memoir, which you know is one of my favorite genres. So we talk about memoir, we talk about um, how to get the work done, and you're going to love listening to her. A little bit of a personal catch up on what's been going on around here. I have been going crazy, y'all. Literally crazy. I um, finished the romance that I was working on. I've honestly been, you know, you've heard ad nauseum about this romance, but it is the third book in a series. I'm so done with romance. Um, I'm not enjoying writing it. However, I fell in love with this book, which always happens. The more I hate a book, the more when I do fall in love with it, it hits hard. So that was wonderful. I've really been putting off writing this book for about two years. Um, it is it is that late to be delivered. It's a self-published book, so I could be late with it. And I finally just hired my beloved editor, who is so smart and so good and so hard to get that I couldn't let her down. So that was how I finally got it done. Um, I put it off for about two years. I wrote it in about five weeks, including editing. So I delivered her that on Monday. This is after having been at three conferences in the last four weeks. I think since we talked, I have been to Surrey International Writers Conference, which if you are a writer and can get to the West Coast of America, you should go to next year. It was one of the best conferences, if not the best conference I've ever been to in my life. It is so great for writers. Um, everything is handled so beautifully and it has such a good feeling. It's just outside Vancouver in Canada and it was the most positive environment I've ever been around when it comes to writing. Everybody seemed to love each other. It was magical. It really, really was. I was honored to be there and I had a wonderful time. Um, I also got to go to Writer's Digest, the Novel Writer's, um, Digest, conference, which happens down in Pasadena each year. And I love that conference too. We have such a good time there. This time I went with my friend, Adrienne Bell. You can hear us talking about that experience on the writer's well. She was a stand in uh, host on that podcast this week. So go listen to us talk about the conference there. We had a great time and Adrienne was wonderful. You've heard her on my show before. And so I'm just feeling pretty good that I got the book in on time. Um, Right now I'm pushing out a Patreon essay, which needs to get out the door today. And uh, once I do that, I am leaving tomorrow. I am going on a music retreat, which has nothing to do with writing. I'm not bringing work. I'm not bringing any of the grading. I am so far behind in kind of drowning grading wise, um, but that's okay. It's all going to work out. The hardest part was the book, and I have such a high level of relief, and I'm so pleased with it. It it turned out really, really fun, and um, that's something I would like to stress. No matter how much you might be hating writing your book right now, that good idea, 
that you started out with, the thing that made you excited to write the book in the first place, it still exists. We just forget where it lives. A lot of times when we're writing our books, we just have to keep coming back to them. And most importantly, and I'm speaking to myself here, we have to finish them. It's only when we finish them and go back and revise them that we can uncover that original beginning forceful magic that we felt. Um, using the word magic a lot today. That's all right, isn't it? Um, writing is magic. And what else? Um, super excited to go away for four days and do nothing but music and uh, read. I'm just going to sing and play my ukulele. I am doing the country music singing track with Lori Lewis as our instructor. So if you, if you know old time music, that's exciting. And all I know is that they feed us and house us and uh, every afternoon there's ice cream. So I'm very much looking forward to getting away. I <laughs> really, really can't wait. Um, in the meantime, uh, please enjoy this interview with Carly. Uh, thank you to new patrons, Jessica Renwick and Kelly Dittmars. I really, really appreciate your patronage. Um, if anybody wants to check that out, it's at patreon.com slash Rachel. And it means the difference between me getting to do this job full-time and me having to do it part-time. Literally, that is what um, patronage on Patreon means to me personally. It's the difference that you make. So thank you, past, present, and future patrons. And I hope that this week, as we go into November, wait, let's not stop talking right now. Don't forget that November is here. By the time you're listening to it, we're in November. NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. Dot org. Go sign up. Do something crazy with your life this November. November is the worst month of the year to write a novel in, and that's why it's so great, because it makes you do it anyway. I am being a nano rebel. I'm going to write a memoir. I'm going to write the memoir of Venice that I've been meaning to write for years, I, and I'm just going to have fun with it. I have no expectations. I'm not coming to this wanting to give it to my agent to make a lot of money. I'm not coming to it meaning to self-publish, although I might... Um, I'm just coming it to it to have fun and to play on the page, which I have been doing not enough of lately. So I'm very excited about November. So um, you should just think about joining, joining me. I think that I am Yarnagogo over there. If you want to friend me, please do. And so I hope that you are going to do something fun and amazing and marvelous and magical with your writing this week. And if you do, or even if you don't, hit me up and tell me. Um, hit me up on email, Facebook, Twitter, or at howdoyouwrite.net. I love getting comments over there. So um, enjoy, happy writing, and have fun with this interview. We'll talk soon. Hey, writers. I've opened up some coaching slots. I'm not taking clients on a weekly basis right now as I'm working on my own books, but I am doing one-offs. I call them tune-ups. Tell me your plot problems and ask your character queries. Let me know what stumbling blocks you're up against. Get tips and tricks to get you back on the right track. Ask me questions about all things publishing. Together, we'll brainstorm your specific plan of action, making sure you're in the driver's seat of your book again. You'll receive a 30-minute call over Skype or FaceTime, giving you the honest encouragement you need to keep getting better or a polite ass-kicking if that's what you need and ask for. Plus, you'll get an MP3 audio recording or MP4 video, your choice of our chat, so you can re-listen at your leisure. And if you want a little more help, I can also critique either 10 pages or your book's outline and talk you through my findings. 
Just check out rachelherron.com slash coach for more info. I'd love to work with you. Now on to the interview. Well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome to the podcast my friend Carly Gelsinger. Carly, how are you? Hi, I'm well. How are you? I'm so glad to chat with you. Let me give you a little introduction before we jump into it. Um, Carly Gelsinger lives in the Bay Area with her husband and two soon-to-be-three daughters. She teaches memoir and loves helping people tell their stories. She's the author of Once You Go In, A Memoir of Radical Faith, which just came out and which I am the proud owner of an advanced reader copy, and I loved this book, Carly. It was exactly what I love to read. Whenever I'm teaching memoir, I always run down the list of, you know, the kinds of different memoirs. And whenever there's anything about religious extremism, any, even if it's got a hint of a cult about it, um, which (laughs) Pentecostalism can fit into, uh, I'm definitely in. And I love the way you wrote it. I think your language was beautiful. Your concrete details were just all of about it. And I think I mentioned to you that when I was um, in high school, I was a Pentecostal missionette yeah. teacher, right? Oh, you were a missionette teacher. I went to church. Oh, camp. I was yeah. like a church camp counselor, summer camp counselor. Oh, gosh, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> I was all about it. Oh, and I just... you must have done the Bible camp in Santa Cruz then in yes. the summers. Yes. Oh, I was there. Yeah, that's one of the opening scenes, as you were probably I, recognized I do then. Remember. Yeah. And, I, and I didn't know if it was the same one, but it's like um, like Aptos area-ish, mm-hmm. right? Scotts Valley. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was it. Now, how old are you? 31. Oh, okay. So I was 15 years ahead of you there. So we didn't overlap. Okay. But oh my goodness. And I loved in that scene where you were talking about, um, man, the Holy Spirit is terrifying. Freaking scary, right? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. When you're not used to it. No. Oh my goodness. It was so good. So if anybody is into that kind of memoir, I highly recommend Once You Go In. (laughs) It's so good. And it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful story. Um, really well and truly told, which is something that I really, really resonate with. So this podcast is about writing and the writing process. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got this done? I, I know that you're quite pregnant right now. You've got the two little ones <laughs> and you teach. So how, how, where and when do you write? How do you fit that in? So um, I I have childcare once a week and I try to protect that time as much as I can so that I'm not having to do other errands or other um, kind of, you know, like invoicing clients, because I also do editing on the side. So I try not to invoice clients or pay bills or do anything during that time except for write. Um, Because other than that, once a week, I may not have other time. I may, but I, I can't guarantee it, not with the two little ones running around. And where do you work when you're doing that? Do you stay home or do you go to a coffee shop? Um, I usually I usually need to get out. Um, I love the idea of working at home because um, it's expensive to sit at Starbucks. <laughs> it is. It adds but up. It does add up. But when I'm home, I'm I'm distracted by all the laundry or the clutter or the bed. Um, so I do have to get out. I actually I wrote the first draft of my book from Barnes and Noble. Um, And I liked that because it was just noisy enough. Their little cafe 
Um, you know, sadly, it's not as busy as a normal Starbucks <laughs> because they don't yeah. have a lot of traffic in their yeah. stores. Um, but there was some, so it wasn't like so dead quiet, like a library, but not, not crazy loud or tons of people around like a coffee shop. So I found that to be a good place to write. I have, I have written at, um, Barnes and Noble before, and I also really appreciate the mixed smell of coffee and paper. Yes, that's what it is. And, and, and going in there now just to shop, I'm, I'm brought back to those months where I was writing the first draft. It takes me back instantly. Instantly. Right. When I wrote my, um, when I wrote a life in stitches, I would go to a Pete's. Have you ever been to Pete's? Oh, I love Pete's. We don't have one around here. Pete's is great. But when you sit in there for a long time, their coffee is, the smell in there is so strong. It's it's like, it's like Starbucks times 10 that when you mm-hmm. walk out, your clothes smell like it and your bag smells like mm-hmm. it. And so whenever I walk into a Pete's now, I'm taken right back to that particular book because that's mm-hmm. where I spend all my time for that one. It's the smell memory. Exactly. So what is your biggest challenge then when it comes to writing? Um, oh, the God, this is probably common, but the comparison trap, um, yeah, imposter tough. syndrome, feeling like, okay, well, I, you know, I wrote this first book kind of winging it and not really knowing what I'm doing, but if I'm going to write another book, I'm going to have to know, learn what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> I can't fake it anymore. People are going to find out that I'm a fraud and I'm not a real writer. Isn't that a terrible thing? And it, I don't think it ever shuts up. Oh, really? Because <laughs> no. you've written a ton of books. I've written a ton of books, and I think sometimes it doesn't feel stronger, but it feels just as real every time. Okay. You know, when I go okay. to a conference, I'm like, why am I here? What am I? What do I have yeah. <laughs> what if they find me out? <laughs> and I think maybe that's why it doesn't go away, because I don't think, I don't think a good writer will ever be... 100% confident about his or her work, right? It's and I true. think and I think if we were like I am the best, then we would not be useful teachers. That's true. So, that's think, a really good point. Yeah. Um and, and any kind of confidence that we do find has to come from ourselves and our craft, um not from publication. I already know just being a week um as a published author, it's not the the pinnacle I thought it would be. Um, and I know so many people have told me that and Lamont writes about it, Mm -hmm. um, that publishing doesn't change anything. And I thought, well, it'll be different for me (laughs) and it's not. Um, so I think turning, turning inward and finding that gratification from the craft and from what I know to be true and not looking outward all the time for, for the affirmation that we all want (laughs) for our listeners though who are unpublished so far will you just tell us about how last tuesday morning went because most books when they're traditionally published they always come out on tuesdays and i don't know why um it it just is what it is so how how did you feel when you woke up that morning i mean it was exciting it felt like a birthday you know It, it was a regular tuesday i took my kids to school Um, but I kind of just went around knowing it was a special day and I ended up spending almost the entire day on social media because I've always admired authors who respond to tweets and respond to direct messages and retweet things and say, thank you. Um, so I made sure to do that all day and it was exhausting, but it was really fun. It was really fun to see the reception and see people out there in the wild with my book um, and then I, I did treat myself to a little trip to Barnes and Noble and I Yay. took a picture of myself holding it in my local store. Um, and then 
because I wrote the book at that store, the barista at that store had poured me a lot of free coffee when I was writing the first draft. Uh And so I actually wrote a little note of thanks for him in the acknowledgments. So he happened to be working that day. So I picked (gasps) it up off the shelf and took it to the cafe and was like, look, it's you. (laughs) And it was just a really beautiful full circle moment (laughs) for him and I, because he was like, I, I remember you. That was so great. Cause he's a writer. He's also a struggling writer. Of course he is. He's working at Barnes and Noble. You know, there's no other reason to work there unless you're yeah. a writer. <laughs> so he felt really good that he empowered another struggling writer and oh, it was it was a really cool moment. I absolutely love that. I I uh, I love that. I remember the first time I saw my book in the wild. It was that Tuesday night and a bunch of friends and I went to a bookstore and I just couldn't believe it was there. I just mm-hmm. couldn't, I could it's not real. believe <laughs> yeah. it was there and that was a seriously seriously happy moment in my life. So, mm-hmm. and I love the story about the barista. What is your biggest joy then when it comes to writing? Um, so, you know, getting away from the comparison trap. I'm not going to be John Steinbeck, I'm not going to be Ann Patchett, right? But I can write a sentence in only the way Carly can. Yes. And so crafting that perfect sentence in a Carly way yeah. um, and, and acknowledging that I admire these other writers and want to emulate them, but knowing that that sentence is just a Carly sentence and it's the best sentence that Carly can write. And I use the exact right verb and the exact right metaphor and it evoked the feeling that I wanted it to evoke and it's having the effect on readers I wanted it to. That's pretty cool. I wish you could tell me that into my ear, like while I'm writing about my own writing. Only Rachel can do this. Only Rachel can do this. Can you share a craft tip of any sort? Um, I, so on the second and third and fourth and fifth and 10th versions of my memoir, I focused on character uh-huh. um, because I had a lot of flat characters in my memoir, including myself. And what really helped me was using the Enneagram personality test. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I am yeah. an ENFJ. Um, but Oh, that's Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs. Oh, what's Enneagram? It's the number. So you're a number one through nine, and then you have wings, and you have what? areas for growth. No, it's a really cool this. test. I love it because um, it can track personality. It tracks personality growth, and then it gets to the core of a person not just behavior, but the motives and desires and fears that we use. And okay, so then our personality kind of becomes like the hook that we hang on. Um, And so I use the Enneagram to develop characters and understanding that every character has a motive because when you're writing memoir or a novel, you always have to go back to what does this character want? Well, to know that you have to know what the character, what motivates the character or what, um, what is the character afraid of? Because a lot of times we act out of fear. So it really helped in developing my character by understanding, well, okay, I, what I, what I really needed. So it it made, um, it turned the story into, it took, I'm sorry, (laughs) it put the story in my hands instead of being a passive kind of dead fish protagonist where things are happening and I'm reacting, but it, it, it gave the power back to me, not necessarily like I was always in power as a character, but I was making choices based on what I wanted. And so, for example, I stayed in this cult so long because it was somehow gratifying some desire that I had, whether I understood it at the time or not. 
Um, and you can do the same for the villains of our stories or the antagonists, understanding that they have motives and fears and desires. Um, and you can use it to track character change as well. So the Enneagram shows paths for growth. And so you can actually chart a character arc based on growth, Enneagram growth. So anyway, I can really nerd out about the Enneagram forever. It sounds such, like such a cool tool for character arc in a book. It's really fun. I've never heard anybody it's talk really about fun. it. And it doesn't, um, it doesn't typecast people. So, it, you know, it, it's not like, okay, you pick a number on the Enneagram and then you have an archetype because it, it, it goes so much deeper than that. Um, I do it with my students. I teach memoir locally. And every time I have them do this, it's like this big aha moment for them in their writing. And they have all these breakthroughs after that. Is there a so particular um, book or tool that you would recommend for use with this or just as a something are, to Google? Yeah, Google it. There are free versions online. Okay. I really like um, Nine Types, like nine the types. number nine, okay. ninetypes.com. Okay. And then the Enneagram Institute has some really cool scholarly research on it. That is so, so helpful. And thank you. Because I think um, for me and my students, what I see a lot is it's difficult to grasp your own character arc, mm -hmm. especially since our character, we're still alive, we're still writing, and our character is always going to be changing. But when you're when you're talking about a period in your life, it's just hard to remember how that arc was formed and shaped and changed. And, mm -hmm. and I'm sure you have this conversation with your students, too, that they're like, but I didn't really change over that time. I'm like, then you mm -hmm. don't have a book yeah. you know, <laughs> until you I, figure that out. And I make them do what you have in your book, your, your exercise of first I was blank and then I was blank. And that, I mean, I have them do that early on because it really throws them at first because they weren't thinking of writing a story with change. They were only thinking about writing the story of what happened mm -hmm. and not the so what. Mm -hmm. behind it and that the impact it had on them as a person exactly yeah. I was in a memoir um panel this last weekend and uh somebody said um that she deals with her students that she talks about there needs to be a what and a so what and I think that is so oh, I like so, so, so what is even harder yeah. yeah it's so simple but so yeah. so helpful okay so what is the thing in writing you are most excited to talk or to think about what do you get obsessed about I love talking about the power of story. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it sounds, uh, I don't know, woo woo, but um, I really do think that stories can change the world. And my example is my father-in-law and I argue all the time about politics, about social issues. Um, and we don't see eye to eye on anything. And we've clashed for years. Um, he read my book before it came out and he wrote me this beautiful, long email about how, how much my story impacted him, how, oh. how much it changed his heart. Um, he understood me on levels that he never was able to before. And it, it felt like we were able to move beyond some of the, the differences that we've had because the story had the power to change him or and to change me. And I think, you know, writing the story gave me empathy and him reading the story gave him empathy. Um, I think that's especially so important in the age that we live in yeah. to bring it back to story. Yeah. Um, you can argue with someone until you're blue in the face and you're not going to change their mind, mm -hmm. but you can transform lives with the power of story. Yeah. 
And nobody wants to listen to somebody try to change their mind about anything. No, but no, we all, <laughs> as human beings, you know, since the time we were around the campfire, want to lean in and listen to the story. And yeah. I will, I will buy into that all day long. Yeah, and I think that story has this kind of magical quality to it, like like the magical traveling pants, you know, in the sisterhood of the traveling pants, where it kind of fits anybody like a good story can people are going to get what it what they need from it like whatever they need when they're reading that story that's what they're going to get so just in in the week that my book's been out I've had people who are atheists say your book was exactly what I needed and then I have people who are still like pretty conservative Christians say the exact same thing and these are people that would never like sit at a dinner table and talk and yet they're getting they got exactly what they needed from my story and I'm thinking well that's interesting that's not really why I wrote it but that's that's great for you that you got something from it and that it helped you grow how gorgeous is that that is beautiful you must feel so proud of that yeah, I'm I'm glad that it has that universal appeal. It seems that way um, because I thought it would be more dividing, actually. I had a lot of anxiety, come, you know, as it got closer that I was I would alienate people. Um, and I probably have on some level, but it, it's bound to happen because you but, can't please everybody. But you're so you on the page and you're so true to yourself. And that that whole thing about um, revealing yourself truly and honestly that's what makes people have this empathy that we're empathy mm-hmm. that we're looking for so yeah because human we all relate to the the humanity the human story we may disagree on all these issues but we're all people yeah yeah oh i i love it okay so what is the best book you've read recently and why did you love it um american marriage by tayari jones have okay. you read it no i haven't heard of it tell me about it oh my goodness um it's about an, an African-American married couple in, I think, the 60s. No, no, not the 60s. I'm sorry. Much more recently, the mid-80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's wrongfully imprisoned, and it becomes a imprisoned. <laughs> imprisoned. I wasn't going to correct you, but I liked it. It was something that I would say. <laughs> incarcerated. Incarcerated. Imprisoned. Imprisoned. Yeah. Wrong, wrongfully incarcerated. Um, and it becomes a love triangle, but it's told from three different perspectives Mm. and the character development is just so beautiful because you honor each one of their stories, even though their stories are opposing, it's a love triangle. So they're going to be in its opposition and its tension. And yet you can't make, there's no villain. Uh. Well, the villain is, I guess, culture. And society yeah. and yeah. the crime against blacks and wrongful yeah. incarceration. So, so there's that element. But the people of the story, you you're rooting for them the whole time, and you find yourself torn because you're rooting for all of these people who are at odds. Um, beautiful. That sounds wonderful, and it's going yeah. right to the top of my list. Yes, please read it. And it was called American Marriage. American Marriage. I'm pretty sure um, it was an Obama <laughs> top five pick. Of the year yeah, in and Oprah. Picture... It's getting a lot of buzz. Now that you're saying I, I, I can picture the cover. I've seen it at the bookstore and didn't know what yeah, it was. So. Teal okay. with like a tree on it yes. or something. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. And so why don't you, in your words, tell us about your book, um, which is Once You Go In and a little bit about where people can find you. Yeah. So it, it's the story of me, um, awkward, <laughs> awkward, 
awkward little Carly um, just wanted friends, and so she joined a cult <laughs> <laughs> and stayed there way too long um, until literally my my life burned to the ground. Um, literally, and, like literally, like my house burned down, and <laughs> and then my pastor said, "Well, we prayed about it, and we believe that it's not your sin that caused this tragedy, <laughs> but maybe some of those other tragedies you should work on because you know." Um, Anyway, it it wasn't until then I began to question. So it's it's my story of of falling into that kind of faith, and it's a little bit different because I wasn't raised in it. Yeah. Um. I it had it 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 allured me on its own. Um. As a teen girl, and then the painful process of leaving. And um, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target. I think I saw it on Walmart.com. I don't know. Target, it's on the interwebs. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yay. And what's your website? Um, CarlyGelsingerAuthor.com. And then I'm on all the social medias just as Carly Gelsinger. Perfect. So all my handles are Carly Gelsinger. And you guys, if you are anything about a cult memoir, go grab this one. Seriously. <laughs> it was a joy to meet you at the conference. Thank you. And a joy to talk to you now. And I'm so glad that we're in touch and we're in the same business, the same industry, yes. um, especially in the terms of memoir. And this just being, you know, my passion. And and it's just such a joy to know you. So thank you. And <laughs> congratulations on your book, baby. And yes. when when is the next baby arriving? Um, January. January. So okay. Book, book came out Tuesday, and then I entered my third trimester on Wednesday, <laughs> and I'm very tired. I want to sleep. No pressure or anything. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for your time so much, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.